Weirdo Weirdo Bookworms Unite! Unite. Do your reading tastes range from dystopian sci-fi to middle-grade fantasy? Dark psychological thrillers to gory body horror? From YA paranormal swords and sorcery? Extraterrestrials? Murder? Mayhem! And beyond! Then we want to share our love of reading with you! Welcome home. Hi, everybody. It's September, which means it's Halloween Eve. I am Sandra. I am Scott. And tonight on Genre Junkies, we are going to be discussing Mr. Magic. Yay. Yeah, this is one that um I did not... I had not heard about. I guess it has a little bit of hype around it, but it does. It does. And a lot of people have read it because a lot of people are fans of this author, including us. Including us. Which is Kirsten White, who wrote Hyde, which was a favorite of both of ours. It really was. Um, and now she's back with Mr. Magic, a novel. <laughs> <laughs> um, so before we get to that, um, I just wanted to share, you know, how happy I am that it's like, you know, it's officially code orange season every day, more and more code orange going off all the time. You know, for us Halloween obsessed people, we live we live in Halloween town all year round, 24-7, 365 days a year. But it's nice when the rest of the world gets on our level and it's just very exciting. And it feels like the hype and the excitement, like it just gets earlier and earlier every year. So I'm like thrilled about that. Already been to Spirit Halloween a few times. Spirit is such a treat because it's like a little bit of Disneyland almost that yes. opens up in your town every yes. single year. Yes, I agree. It's it's magic. It is its own little magic. And I think that's kind of how I look at Code Orange in general and everybody getting ready for Halloween. I wanted to share that I've watched some really bad, disappointing movies lately and one good one. <laughs> I haven't talked about movies in a little while. You know what I loved? Slother House. I wish I had seen that when it Scott came missed out theaters. on Slother House. We will see it again because I absolutely adored it. She's a boss. She's a boss bitch. She's a boss babe, that sloth. <laughs> Love her two pieces. Love the movie. It's so silly and so fun. And it just made my made my face hurt from smiling throughout the whole thing. And it's so cute. And um, so that was good. Pope's Exorcist didn't like it. Vivarium didn't like it. I'm crabby now. Like, it's hard. Oh, we watched for the cult show, The Witchery, The Bride. Come on. Too many bad movies, and I must cleanse my palate. And you usually find good things in bad movies. So when you're like, hey, I I haven't watched any good movies, that's really saying something. I mean, I, of course, find little bright spots in all of these movies, but it just has put me into a bit of a slump, and I need to watch some good movies. The Exorcist, the new one, could not come soon enough. Um, Yeah, and, and more. Need to need to watch some good movies. Too many bad movies is depressing. Um, and then I already know what your bit of joy is going to be to share. It's football season. Football is back. It, it, oh, it's back, and um, we are recording this after the Sunday slate of games, and the Raiders are number one. The Saints are tied for number one. Saints won today. Yep. Um. So we're both happy. Yep. Uh, it's it's a good day. It's a good day for the foosball in our house. It's always it's always happy for me when when football is back. I it's been a while since I've you know been you know had have had a really exciting team. Although I guess that's not fair. A couple of years ago the Raiders were pretty good, but 
you know. Yeah. It, the football makes him happy. It does. He's un, he's not happy about the time change, but he's happy about the football. Oh, man. I get up pretty early in the morning, folks, and uh, I, I almost was late to something because it was 6.30 and it was still dark and it put me into a little bit of an existential crisis. <laughs> oh, no. It's getting dark. Shout out to Scott dark. and his, his fellow sads out there. Yeah, so... All right, without much further ado, let's talk about a spooky little book that I like to call (laughs) Mr. Magic. 30 years after a tragic accident shut down production of the classic children's program, Mr. Magic, the five surviving cast members have done their best to move on. But just as generations of cultishly devoted fans still cling to the lessons they learned from the show, the cast, known as the Circle of Friends, has spent their lives searching for the happiness they felt while they were on it, the friendship, the feeling of belonging, and the protection of Mr. Magic. But with no surviving video of the show, no evidence of who directed or produced it, and no records of who or what the beloved host actually was, memories are all the former circle of friends has. Then a twist of fate brings the castmates together as the remote desert filming compound that feels like it's always been waiting for them all this time. Even though they haven't seen each other for years, they understand one another better than anyone has since. After all, they're the only ones who hold the secret of that circle, the mystery of the magic man in his infinitely black cape, and maybe the answers to what really happened on that deadly last day. But as the circle of friends reclaim parts of their past, they began to wonder, are they here by choice or have they been lured into a trap? Mm-hmm. So first and foremost, uh, I think everyone has that experience of that thing that they saw as a child that they don't remember if it was a dream or if it was real. And sometimes you never find out really yeah. <laughs> it's a real thing. You know, we we've had ones like that. Like I remember mice melting into like into like Jeez. goo and uh apparently that is a real thing it's a real uh <laughs> adaptation of david copperfield horrible nightmare of mine he told me it was a nightmare i'm like it wasn't a nightmare you had it was a real thing we watched <laughs> as kids um so it channels that and so that that's immediately interesting to me um i think i'll go first with my experience on well this please one. you've jumped right in uh this is this is an obsession. <gasps> this book absolutely like from the from 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 page one mm-hmm. hooked me and yeah. ne- it never let me go. It, yeah. There was never a point where where I wasn't like sucked into this book. It was it was immediate. I couldn't stop. Such an incredible obsession. This book is to me. Mm, I love that. Um, I have to say that, I mean, Kirsten White is so fiercely talented, and I will definitely, you know, be interested just about anything she has to write. Um, She infuses some wonderful fantasy into her horror. She writes deeply personal stories. This one is very personal. Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll talk more about that in the spoiler section, because she does actually talk about that in her afterword of the book as well her acknowledgements so um i i would say this is an obsession for me too and i will definitely be recommending it to people there's a couple of people i think that this would make a wonderful gift for um there's some themes in this book that i really really want to talk about Mm -hmm. but it's a spoiler they're just clear they are just clear spoilers yeah but there are surprising themes in this there are themes that the um, description does not even touch on no that will surprise you and I don't think that they are inherently um triggering I don't 
think so because the way it's revealed and talked about is like i don't i it's gentle yes but um i think that there may be some things that you you listeners might be interested in that you would not expect to be in this book i think i know it's like it's so it's so well done and it doesn't go exactly in directions that you would expect. Yeah. And that is what makes it even more exciting to me. Right. I I was happy with this book from the get-go, and I was happy for completely different reasons at the end. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I had thought of Scott for this book, not only because it was Kirsten White, but Mr. Magic in general, because one of Scott's favorite movies is Death to Smoochie. Which, if you know, it's a very dark comedy. Brilliant film. About um, children's entertainer program TV people. And, um, like, kind of that children's, like, weird, creepy thing is, like, it's kind of something we both kind of share. Like in, like in Terrifier 2. Like how... You know, he has his little his little set as uh, and like in it part one, they have like you know the little Pennywise TV show. Like, there's something so creepy but also innocent about children's like early education <laughs> programming, especially from the 80s and 90s. Um, so I'm glad you brought up it. Yes. Because there is themes of it in this. And at first, I was totally. expecting this to kind of turn into a little bit of a... More of an it. More of yeah. an it. And it didn't. No. Um, which was incredibly surprising. And I think I think a deliberate kind of twist on your expectation. But I think if you're a big fan of it, there's there's going to be things about this hope, that like yeah. press buttons for you, for yeah. sure. The idea of you know adults coming together that knew each other as children to figure out what the heck happened to them as children. There's like, yeah, there's some interesting stuff that's just weirdly been a, a a topic in my life recently. This that synchronicity is just kind of always a little freaky about the fog of memory from when you're a kid mm -hmm. and the things you remember and the things you can't remember and the things you block and the things that get confused and muddied. Um, very interesting theme and kirsten i'm assuming she has to be around our age these characters were around our age you know where they were kids in the early 90s so it's like kind of coming at that from a millennial point of view so that's yeah. so that's like really cool connection for us not saying you have to be a millennial to like get this book but it's like it helped it helped me to feel a lot of connections in her voice we're in a really neat point in our lives mm -hmm. where a lot of written media i feel like are by people our age it's by people our age and so we it is directly kind of relatable yeah to us people in their 30s you know writing about things that are very specific to us yeah. or reminiscent to us so i have like a weird relationship with the children's thing because i grew up only having a couple of tv channels so most of the programming i watched for kids was either saturday morning ca cartoons afternoon cartoons or on pbs so like it was just kind of those like very 
very few basic channels. So a lot of the things that other kids watched in our generation, I didn't watch. I didn't grow up with those things. I didn't I didn't go to Fraggle Rock, um, for instance. I didn't have Disney Channel until I was a teenager. Um, you know, things like that. Maybe a tw- now I was a teenager. Um, but, but I had a lot of older cousins and my parents, their bosses had kids a little older than me and back in that day people used to tape stuff off of tv all the time so a lot of the things that i watched and experienced were things that were from older generations or channels i didn't have and things that have been taped and taped and taped and i'd have commercials and i've had snippets of things so like in my mind i have a million snippets of TV shows, kids TV shows from channels I never had and from things that happened before I was born. So it was like, I have all these weird, weird little pieces running through my head. So like with this book and being like, was it like this? I can't remember. And does anybody remember this thing? It's like, yes, I know what you're talking about. I have about 30 seconds of it in my (laughs) brain. And some of them are really weird. And then thanks to channels like Everything is Terrible. Right. We can relive some of this weirdness. Well, and that's actually kind of a, a fun thing in, in real life, not not about the book, but everyone has kind of their own regional memories, too. Yeah, We talked about PBS, but local broadcasting, There, there's always some local, sh- there's some local show that maybe only people in, like, your specific town will remember. Public access. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that's a really fun kind of kind of thing. And um, you had mentioned, you, you know, we, we talked about this being like very millennial culture surrounding. I, I do think that there is some context that comes from, in this particular book, Wikipedia articles yeah, and Reddit, Reddit posts yeah, yeah. that might be a little bit complicated for people who are not on those sites I think, to understand. I think Gen Xers, I think... Gen Xers and lowers are yeah. probably going to get the most out of yeah. this, though a lot of people in older generations should read it. Let me just put it that way. Yeah. They should be reading it, but I think <laughs> that it's going to mostly appeal. So I guess in that way, I would say it's a pretty broad appeal. Yeah. I, I think, readership, too. I'm going to go with broad appeal as well for that same reason. Um, You know, part of this story is told in a, a, in a, um, a technological world. Kind of mixed media yeah, approach. Exactly. And there's an experience that I think that there is an entire generation above Gen X that just don't understand that that community feeling of talking with people across the world. On the internet specifically. On the yes. internet about very specific, rare, obscure things. Yes. Um that I think that that kind of that kind that part of the storytelling will be will be lacking. And there's plenty of, of people from like boomer zoomer generations that do that, but it doesn't seem to be like the total norm. Right. So we we see you mm-hmm. <laughs> those of you that that do that. We see you. We count you among the redditors and the whatnot. But yeah, it's not it's not the norm for everybody in your generations. However, I still I'm still 
kind of waffling towards mass because of some surprise themes in the book Mm -hmm. that I think will ring really true for people. And it's like, without going into spoilers, like I can think of people who I might not have recommended this book to that I would recommend this book to because of some of the surprise themes, if that makes sense. Um, So it's like, it's like right on the edge to me uh, between broad and mass. I love the way Kirsten's brain works. I love the way that she writes stories. I love the way she writes characters that um, a lot of... Okay, so from the two books that we've read from her, some of her characters, they go through really hard times. And they are really feeling the pressure of time and culture and environment and finances. And I really like her characters. I really do. And this is another book like Hyde. I liked a lot of the those characters. We loved a lot of those characters. And this one, I just really feel uh, they feel so real. They feel so real. One of the one of the things that she does really well is even characters who make decisions that are not the best you understand and you sympathize with the reasons they're making those decisions mm-hmm. um and and this book is no, no different she yeah. writes strong women she writes with some diversity and she also writes with some queer representation as well and all of those things are really really nice to read in her beautiful characters and her beautiful stories and this one um again we Kind of said this earlier, but it's horror, but with a glimmer of fantasy, like a nice oil slick coating of fantasy over this. Um, and that doesn't even scratch the surface of what's going on in this book. I know it's it's I I did not like it is a horror book. I'm not I'm not like gatekeeping on it, but <laughs> um, but the themes of it did not were not horrific to me they were scary some definitely creepy definitely some scenes. creepy and scary but it it felt more more um modern fantasy yeah. to me as far as the vibes which of course made it amazing for me Kristen White, we love you. This is another home run. When are you going to come on our show and talk to us and be our friend? When will this happen, Kirsten White? We need you. We need you in our lives. To be clear, it's not that we were like denied an interview, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, if, we could start that rumor maybe and get some pressure maybe, on yeah, it. Yeah, we could try. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go on Reddit right now, just as the book has inspired us to do. Okay, everybody, if you are even... a glimmer interested in this book if we have at all piqued your curiosity curiosity about (laughs) mr magic and what he's got going on in the television please don't hesitate run don't walk to your nearest bookseller (laughs) and get you a copy of mr magic um oh we should mention scott listened to this book on audio I did. Tell us um, about the audiobook experience. The audiobook experience is very good. Uh, another very good uh, good reader. The prologue and the afterword are both read by the author. Oh, I love that. Which is great. Yes. Um, and, you know, again, great voices, great experience. Um, I felt it was about perfect at about 1.3 times speed. <laughs> it was good. All right, everybody. If you're going to join us in the spoiler section, we are excited to see you there in just a flick of a cape. Ooh, hey. <laughs> I was trying to, I don't know. It's magic. I like it. It's magic. Hey, Bookworm Buddy, don't forget, 
subscribe, rate, and review. And while you're at it, find us on Instagram at Genre Junkies. I'm surprised you've never heard that song. I'm sure I've heard it. It's just not. I I play. I did. A, I made a MIDI version of that song for Magic for when we did Magic. Oh, maybe that's when I first heard it. Yeah, when when we did when we did the episode for Magic for Cult Show, I did a MIDI version of that, and Caleb and Neil thought it was hysterical. <laughs> but why I didn't get it? I was probably like, "What is this?" All right, ready. That's the thing about childhood memories. We can't trust them. So says Kirsten White in the beginning of this book, Mr. Magic. Welcome to the spoiler section. Welcome to the spoiler section. Okay. Okay. So can I kick it off? Yeah, please do. One thing that I thought was really cool is we're talking about the fog of memory, the muddledness, the confusion, the things that we learn as kids, um, and the things our brain protects us from. These are all themes that I find incredibly fascinating. Like, I spend a lot of time thinking about this stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was my interpretation in this book that Val's blocking of these memories mm-hmm. was not magic. No, not it at all. It was her mind. And there's something about that that I find very powerful and a very, it was the right choice, I think, for Kirsten White made. Yeah. I mean, it's the right choice, one, from a storytelling perspective. It's, yes. It's, you know, it was. Uh, everything doesn't have to be way. magic and have a magic explanation is like what I'm getting at. I, I like the fact that in this book, I feel like pretty much the only thing that was magic was Mr. Magic. Everything else was was yeah. mundane. So I mean, even even dis- even the disappearing of all of the recordings. Yes. was mundane. It was this it was a, a pretty big uh it's a pretty big conspiracy to make it happen. Yeah. But you know, it's almost like Mr. Magic was streaming before streaming was happening. Yeah. <laughs> when you think about it. Um so this book is a analogy of High demand religions and cultures. Yeah. Um, I don't, so I'm a huge fan of the podcast, old, long running podcast now, Mormon Stories. Um, many people watch it, listen to it. I'm a huge fan. Love John DeLynn, Dr. John DeLynn, and that show. And Kirsten, get thee to the Mormon Stories girl because I want to hear your Mormon story. And I appreciate that she shares so much of herself. And as she says, it's been kind of sidestepping till this point where she's like, yep, that was my life. And she's from Pioneer Stock. And I was not a Mormon, but (laughs) I'm very, very fascinated by high demand religions and cultures and groups. And so I'm really into learning about Mormonism. And I, as somebody who, again, I'm not from that world, but I know it. Mm-hmm. I, And you can be, you don't have to be like me, a super fan <laughs> of learning about high demand religions and groups to, to get this. But when you are, it hits different. Or perhaps if you've been one, it, been in one. Mm-hmm. But um, I think a lot of us can relate to that society, our culture, our parents, somebody tried to mold you at some point. And somebody thinking that they were doing what's best for you actually did harm to you. Yeah. And in this book, it's done in a way that is very deliberate, but very gentle as well. You know, it's not confrontational. No. It's 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 so caring and... um. 
It's from a place of such compassion and empathy. And love. Yes. And you know, this is one of the this is this is the first book in a while that I finished long before Sandra did. Like got long for like two days. I know. But yes, but uh, I was way ahead of you. And when I realized that that <laughs> just flipped him off. When when that was the when I realized that, that was the main theme, I was so excited for you. Yes, because I knew that this book was going to go from great to to just. Into this, into the stratosphere for you. <laughs> oh, she did. So I thought for a while that this was going to be about the Fae. Because it kind of has some of those themes when it talks about doing deals. Yeah. Yes. I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, so <laughs> low level deities, again, like it comes to mind. Mm -hmm. The Losers Club kind of comes to mind with this. Um, who doesn't love a pocket universe? And I love that like they use that term and low like low level deity mm -hmm. a couple of times because it's such a um that's such a fun concept, pocket universes and kind of minor deities, but they still have a lot of power because you can do so much in those spaces creatively. Creativity <laughs> Creatively <laughs> Creatively, creatively. Oh, I need to. I need to go back to Mr. Magic and learn how to speak. Yeah, I think you. I think you missed that lesson. Oh, and human sacrifice. I love an element of human yeah. sacrifice. I also like the the kind of idea of this kind of like trying to control your your own religion and your own teachings and losing control of that. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they think that they've they own this low level deity basically and you do not. They don't. They this you know, Mr. Well, Magic will yeah. get what Mr. Magic wants. Low level deities and other creatures that require sacrifice, they are very patient beings and they can play the lawn game because they must eat. And they'll let you think you have a lot more power than you do because that's what they are. And in this case, it's uh, the hum, I guess, is what I I think of. Like I think of the deity in this book, the hum, the molding of it all. I imagine it almost like in Nope, where it's kind of a diaphanous thing. Mm -hmm. I imagine it as clear, but with some sparkle to it. Like you can almost see through it like a jellyfish or something, but it's very much there and it's very much sentient. Well, and the idea, the idea also is that it has, it, it, its own desires and wants are above and beyond and, and, and un, you can't really understand. Comprehend it. Yeah. And you know, the, the things that this, this group put on the hum and yeah. of this kind of like high control yes. sort of thing is something that they put on the hum because, mm -hmm. you know, at the very end when she becomes Mr. Magic, yeah. she's not, she is not disappearing and being destroyed by the hum. Yeah. The children are not disappearing and being, the, the children are not being controlled and molded into these, these perfect quote unquote, adults right by it that's not what it's all about that's what they made it all about it's almost like the deity exists and again it's patient it plays the long game because it wants to have its needs met but you can't put a human morality upon it right and i love that line too it's like if you can't beat the low-level deity 
become it. <laughs> like, tired of fighting God? Be God. Um, I thought that was really cool. I did not see it coming that Val would do that. And no, I didn't Mr. either. Magic. I did not see that coming. Well, because there's a whole kind of fake out, which I recognized was a fake out, but yeah. there's a fake out where where Isaac becomes Mr. Magic. And she see, she plays the tape through in her mind. Right. Yeah. And it says, okay, no, no one's going to become Mr. Magic. That was kind of the 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 solution at the end of right. that fake out but no someone is going to become mr magic this is not how they intended it not how they intended it well, she wants it to be yeah her and the ghost children and i totally get as somebody who has i've said this so many times as somebody who has a close sibling i really understand that bond of oh hell will not stop me from getting to my sibling i did yeah i didn't expect it either yeah. When 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 the bomb drops that her sister was the sixth child. Yeah. I mean, that kind of hurt, like hurt me a little bit, you right. know what I mean? Like, oh, oh my gosh. Right. And I knew it would you too cuz it, yeah. it suddenly like as 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 emotional as everything was up to that point, it suddenly like put a nail in the stakes. You know what I mean? It made it feel more personal at that point. Absolutely. Um and you know, I was expecting at so many points for there to be a um a heel turn on one of them. You know, I was expecting Isaac to have a heel turn. Well, I never thought they would. I felt like it was going to come because there was there was very early on after they pick her up, there's an email between two mysterious people. Yes. And one of them is clearly one of the ones who picked her up and they're kind of conspiring against her. And so I was expecting there to be some sort of a heel turn. And at the end of the day, all of them had their own their own desires and they all kind of had made their own deal and they weren't necessarily all working together until the end. Um, but there, I appreciated that they're all friends, like all genuinely good people. The, the, they all love each other, right? And and friendship is magic. Friendship is magic, and that friendship is real. And you know, they they do fall into those those um, they fit into their roles. Yes, and whether they were created to fill those roles or they just kind of they were picked because they fit those roles. They they created their circle of friendship and. You know, I like that, you know, all these years later, they still can fall into these roles and still be each other's best friends. Yeah, I, I love that, too. I think that's it's a really, really special part of this book. Um, Isaac, I was very happy. Now we have two books in a row where we have a character who's an alcoholic. And oh, it made me really happy. I loved that Isaac's alcoholism was addressed. He's in recovery. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not the only thing that defines him mm -hmm. but um i appreciate it because there's frankly just not enough good representation of people with addiction and in recovery they're just always there can always be better representation in so many things and as somebody in the recovery world i want that representation and also as a glasses wearer <laughs> <laughs> i know what you mean because it's nice to have a character who clearly it is very important that they are an alcoholic uh they suffer from alcoholism um but to have them be past that point and not have it be their main struggle is really refreshing to read. Right. There's, you know, hope. There's another side. Yeah. And that's important to, to really show, too. And that addicts are 
just like everyone else. Um, again, I love the queer representation in this book. I love when Javi and Marcus got together. It was absolutely amazing. Um, I love I love Javi. Um, Javi's hysterical. He's fucking hysterical, and he's he's a little bit of a. He's a little bit of a trickster. He's a little bit of an instigator. A little bit, I see myself in that, you know, sort of role of where I like to kind of tease and ruffle the feathers a little bit, but it's never in any sort of harm. <laughs> That's funny that you think that you are a hobby. I don't think that I am a hobby. I just love that. I think we have a little bit of that in common. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Why? Who am I? You're Val. You're, you're, you are like the leader. You're the, you're the one in charge. You're the one who says this is what's going to happen. And yeah, yeah, you're 100% Val. You definitely have a bit of an Isaac to you, but you also have a bit of a Marcus to you. I'm a Marcus. I'm a Marcus. You also have a little bit of Javi in you where you like to question like things that seem like, can't we, can't we figure out a better way to do this? But you're also a creative and a maker and a figure outer. And that's the Marcus point. But you're also a good um, steadfast shoulder. So you're like, you've got some of that Isaac energy. Well, that's, I mean, that's the nice thing about real life is we're all, we, we, we're all, we, all of them, we, all, all of them. Yeah. Um, but I don't push the boundaries like Javi does. No, but you have a little mischief monkey side to you. Certainly I do. Yeah. I have a little bit of a take charge personality in me too. I've got a little bit of Val in me, but, yeah. but ultimately I think I'm kind of the, the create, create the sandbox in which the others play in <laughs> kind of personality. I love it. Um, yeah, there's a lot to say about all of those archetypes, and they're very interesting to to spend time with. And there's a part of me that's very sad that Val doesn't get to go have a life, but I get that this is a life she's choosing, so it's not like you should really mourn because she is choosing this. She yeah. is really choosing this and she's really happy. But at the same time, you know, there's a part of me who I'm sad for her that she doesn't get to do that. But I think that that's the idea is there should be a little, a little bit of that. And this is where her amnesia, I think is a very important choice that, that ended up working really strongly, maybe even unintentionally towards the ending of the book, because for every other character, it would have felt like they were regressing and they didn't end up having their character arc because their whole time they're trying to be children again. Yeah. Where Val, she doesn't remember being a child. She doesn't have that urge to regress into childhood. And so it is a choice it is a it is a choice of growth for her, whereas it wouldn't have been uh for anyone else who remembered that childhood. Right. And I think it's important that they come to memorialize her at the ranch with Gloria, because there's like an element of this book of like good people and people who are loved, like they don't get left behind. Like Gloria doesn't get left behind, you know, and Gloria was important in shaping uh, our girl Val for better and for worse sometimes, but she was important and she really cared about Val. And then it was like, Val's not willing to leave 
leave her sister and the other children behind. Because if she leaves and doesn't use her power to stay there, they will just keep doing this over and over and over again. And it's not fair. And so instead, it's like, okay, I can become the god of this little world, but be a kind and benevolent god and help people and help people all over the world. That's a pretty big deal. I also loved how many times when she had to do something tough, she thought about her job. <laughs> her <laughs> job made her tough dealing with horse moms. And I don't know, that was so relatable. You know, it's like, again, that's something that I think is just really cute. Like, clearly, Kirsten White has had a life and had to work with the public. But you know, I also really liked how val's whole character and and kind of like power was introduced very early on in a kind of a sneaky way Mm. in the way that she kind of directs like redirects the mother at the very beginning and ultimately gets her way with the mother it's like that's that's kind of her like power power. and it was a neat introduction to her archetype in a way that was um, not supernatural and not, but 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 very much hinting at at who she was. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Good. So a beautiful, powerful, interesting, deeply personal book about breaking free from the chains of um, pressure of who your society, your culture, your religion, your family wanted you to be and finding your own path your own happiness your own truth uh i'm going to give this how many staticky televisions out of five Mm. a lot of white noise and static i am giving this five staticky televisions out of five um and maybe even uh one of those, one of even, even one of those, like those radio TVs, my God, you could get like yes, it was like you know an inch big, yes, would tune into the airwaves. This book is outstanding. It is, it is in my running for best book of the year. Yes, I could see that with without a doubt. It was surprising to me. Yes, like I knew, I, I knew from the get go that I was going to enjoy it and it was going to be fun, but it was so much even more than that. It's it 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 nails its intention and its purpose while being surprising throughout the entire trip. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, five staticky televisions out of five. Absolutely. Uh, a triumph, a home run, a beautiful, wonderful book. And we didn't even really touch on it, but there is some fun little creepy things. Pulling a cape out of the palm of your hand. Ooh, a little, little body horror there. Lurking figures in the hallway. The TV being on when you didn't turn it on. Just kind of feel of gravity changing when you're going up a, a flight of stairs because you just don't yeah. want to go there. A big house that appears almost out of nowhere in the middle of the desert. Um, yeah, very, very interesting. A cult. A cult. <laughs> Basically, yeah. yeah. So, yes, we we agree. We concur. Thank you, everybody, for joining us tonight on Genre Junkies. That was Scott. That was Sandra. Please keep reading past your bedtime.